What's going on, FA Nation? Dan Malin, Matt Sells. We are back once again for the NASCAR DFS podcast. We are previewing Richmond this week. Uh, another short track, lots of laps to be led. But Mac, Matt, how are you? And uh, what were your thoughts on Martinsville last week? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. We got back-to-back short tracks here. Um, I guess technically three short tracks in a row, right? Because of Bristol Dirt Race. Yeah. Then the off weekend, then Martinsville, then Richmond. So, um, you know, we've got kind of a trifecta of short tracks going here. Um, Martinsville was, I thought it was an interesting race. Obviously, it got pushed back from Saturday night to Sunday because NASCAR can't catch a break with weather here. Um, I thought it was a pretty interesting race. Um, Certainly two or three dominant cars for most of the day. And then Martin Truex Jr. just had the long run speed and the uh, the restart, I guess, to pull off the uh, the win. It was interesting to me to see a 15 car pileup at Martinsville. We're not used to seeing that. Um, and then for Daniel Suarez to waste his water bottle on not putting out the fire on his car and instead <laughs> at William Byron. Uh, he must have been pretty pissed because then he also complained about the uh, the, the fire response <laughs> after after the uh, race ended. So there's some uh, there's some tension there that I think we're going to see some more of between Byron and Suarez this week on another short track. You think it could carry over? I think so. I mean, short track racing tends to do that, right? Like as I put these are the tracks that you want to kind of like get your revenge on somebody. You 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 don't want to do it at Talladega or or a faster track. Like the shorter tracks are where you take your vengeance out and potentially screw somebody. Right, because you know the speeds are less, so theoretically the crash. Uh, is less violent, although you're still crashing at about a hundred over a hundred miles an hour. Um, but yeah, I think you know as I wrote in one of the pieces last week, um, tempers are going to flare as much as the fenders are, and I think that's going to be true again at Richmond. Um, you know, it, over the last decade, fifteen years or so, um, there's a lot of notable bump and runs one of them pulled off about five years ago between uh teammates was actually carl edwards and kyle bush and carl edwards gave a bump dump and run to kyle bush as he just basically ran him up the uh the track a famous one is uh kyle bush dumping dale earnhardt jr um so, yeah, this is a track where tempers can flare and you can get guys that, uh, that uh, you know, just kind of have it out for one another. So describe Richmond to us because even for me, we've been doing this podcast for three years now, and it, and it always seems like the only thing I know about Richmond is that it's three-quarters of a mile. I feel like it drives more like a mile and a half than it will for like Bristol or Martinsville, which are half mile tracks. Uh, I feel like it's, it's, it's like a pretty well-rounded trioval to the point where I feel like you could almost race it like a circle. Um, the turns aren't that sharp. They're pretty wide. Uh, I, I don't know. You're nodding, which makes me feel very confident about myself. Yeah. So but you could also be thinking Dan's an idiot. 
No, I you have it you have it right. So it would be described as a D-shaped uh three quarter of a mile oval. So if you think about Auto Club or Michigan and you shrink it from two miles down to three quarters of a mile and you flatten it out, you get Richmond, right? It's the whole front straightaway is not straight at all. It's perfectly curved. The only part of the track that's straight is the backstretch. But if you actually drive the track on like iRacing or NASCAR Heat 5 or whatever, every time I race it, I feel like I'm never going straight. I feel like you can hold the wheel and just curve everything. So it's kind of an interesting, it's a track where you're on a curve way more than you're on a straight. So um, that being said, uh, there was some fans asking why this wasn't a Saturday night race because typically they run two Saturday night races at Richmond. Um, that came down to Fox, apparently, according to Mr. Bob Pockris. Um, they feel the racing is better at the day it it in the daytime at Richmond, which I would agree. There's typically more passing um, and you know more action on the track uh, at Richmond during the day, and also. You know, they, they got to take ratings into account, and ratings go up about 25% on a Sunday afternoon race compared to a Saturday night race. Is that so, why Xfinity is not running this weekend? Uh, I, think I think it's weird that the trucks are running, but Xfinity's not. But given the layoff that the trucks have had, I get why they want to get the trucks on the track. Well, also, they didn't... trucks. Yeah, trucks didn't run last weekend, and they didn't run... Um, for Easter, the last time we saw the trucks on the track was Bristol Dirt, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, you also got to keep in mind the trucks and Xfinity run, they don't run 36 races. Yeah. So, you know, it's like um, with AA and AAA in baseball, AA plays like 130 games in a season, and AAA typically plays like 144 games compared to... 162 for the major league so you're gonna have a few more off weekends there i think trucks are what i think this is the only like race in the calendar month of april for trucks this month i think so i think you're right because they were off for um off for easter Easter, and then they did not run for martinsville and then they don't don't think they're running this weekend which is talladega if i'm not mistaken um yeah so so, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of one of those fluky schedule things. But, yeah, basically, Richmond is a track that kind of drives like a mile and a half. It's a short track, so there's a lot more laps than you'll see at most mile-and-a-half tracks. Um, but passing can be tough here at Richmond. Go on. So, in the last five races here, 66% of the cars that have finished in the top ten have started in the top 12 starting spots. Last year, in the only race they ran at Richmond, because remember they lost the early race due to the COVID break, and then they got the uh, playoff race. The playoff race, 90% of the top 10 finishers started in the top 12 spots. So, uh, yeah, passing can be tough here up front. We have seen a handful of people move up uh, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten spots in a race in the last five races, but that's typically people starting in like the you know late twenties, early thirty spots. Um, 
and moving up that way. So if you're starting in the top 15, you're probably going to finish about in there. Love it. Uh, let's get to some programming notes for this weekend. Uh, we only have the trucks running Saturday and the cup running on Sunday. Truck playbook will be up Friday night. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed earlier. I'm not making any promises. We're recording this late Thursday night. Uh, wager alarm best bets for the truck series will be up Saturday morning as well. Matt, I'll let you take the wheel on the cup series and then we'll dive into a quick preview of the truck race before we do our weekly breakdown of the cup race and our favorite drivers to target. So the cup track breakdown is up, um, the write up and you know, the, the stats dashboard is up for the cup race. Um, DFS rankings will be out Friday morning. Projections will be out about the same time the rankings come out. Um, and then best bets for Wager Alarm will probably be out uh, Friday as well. Trying to get those out a little earlier for you folks betting the cup races. Um, and then, which by the way, the cover was supposed to be Martin Truex Jr. at, at Martinsville last week. Um, it was put up as Chase Elliott, so I actually had the cover photo winning uh, at Martinsville last week, so I called that one. Um, so, best bets on Friday, cut playbook on Saturday, core plays probably on Sunday. I like to typically wait until Tech is done to put out the core plays, so that I don't have to then turn around and potentially uh, change a bunch of stuff as happened the first three weeks I put out the core plays. Um, so yeah, that's, that's basically the schedule there for the cup series. Um, probably have a Twitter video out some point this weekend. Um, giving you some, a, a bit more strategy tidbits too. And with that said, uh, we'll just do a quick breakdown of what we have lined up for the truck series. I am not going to lie. Um, the truck series race this weekend is pretty tough. Kyle Busch is in it, and while I believe he is slightly underpriced because he needs 99 points to hit 6x value, which I think uh, the truck series race is 250 laps, which means that there's 175 dominator points. He is starting P12. He is only 16,500. He can easily hit 6x value in this race without winning it. And so if you're playing Kyle Busch, you are limiting yourself to $6,700 for the rest per driver. Oh gosh. Yeah. Did you hear that, Matt? Mm-hmm. Uh, Freaking race for well, going again. It's 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 just the trials and tribulations of living next to Truist Park. However, uh, if you play Kyle Bush, he is going to cut he, he basically leaves the remainder of your salary sixty seven hundred dollars per driver. And on, on most truck playbooks, I am okay just plugging Kyle Bush into 60 to 70% of my GPP lineups and just saying, you know what, this can hit. This week, though, I kind of want maybe 30% exposure to Kyle Bush. You you have you can't completely fade Kyle Bush whenever whenever he's in Xfinity or the truck series. The price tag is heavy. It's the most expensive he's been at the truck series level this year. But there's a reason but for this, it. 
There's there's absolutely like, a reason for it. Like if we look at the two races he's run so far this year, I think he ran Phoenix in Las Vegas. Um, he's finished second and first, and he's racked up at least 80 DK points in each race. Uh, at 16-5, 80 points, 88 points, uh, that's not going to get you 5x value. But DK is at least getting a little smarter, and they understand like they need to price him up a little bit, especially at Richmond where you have so many Dominator points available. That being said, I don't like roster construction with him in it. You cannot play Kyle Busch and John Hunter Nemechek together. John Hunter Nemechek is actually my heaviest owned driver at the moment. Uh, I like the $5,000 discount. I like that he's starting six spots behind Kyle Busch in arguably equivalent equipment. Um the roster construction is a lot more flexible with John Hunter Nemechek. So right now, as it stands, I'm actually planning on being heavier heavier on JHN than Kyle Bush because as we've seen in races where Kyle Bush and JHN are running together, Kyle Bush will actually let up at the end of a stage and he will give the stage and a couple of laps led to John Hunter, ne- John Hunter Nemechek. Kyle Bush does not care about stages at the truck level. He does not care about points at the truck level. He will give that to his employee if he has to. John Henry Nemechek has beaten Kyle Busch in a Kyle Busch truck race this year. Kyle Busch has won the other one. Um, I plan on taking the $5,000 discount and the six spots of PD with John Henry Nemechek. I'm only playing GPPs. I'm probably only playing the happy hour, but as it stands right now, I'm going heavier on JHN. The other driver that's going to be a, a topic of conversation is going to be Sam Meyer at 9,200. He's starting P40. He won a race last year at the truck level. I believe it was in GMS equipment at Bristol. Uh, That's great. This year he is not running GMS equipment. I think he's running uh, the Brett Holmes truck, if I'm not mistaken. I might be mistaken. If I am mistaken, I will address it in the playbook. Uh, I'm planning on being lighter than the field on Sam Meyer. I think he's too obvious of a play. If anything goes wrong with Sam Meyer, if he gets caught up in some wreck, if he falls a couple laps behind... I I will gladly uh, be one of the people that are uh, that are not on him. That's just me. I'm not going heavy on the truck race. I do not like roster construction so far. I plan on being much heavier on the cup level. Believe it or not, I have not played cash games this year on NASCAR DFS. It has taken me until the middle of April, nearly two months into the season. I am going cash heavy for Richmond this weekend at the cup level. I am going to max enter the happy hour for the truck race and a couple single entry contests. For GPP only, uh, I just don't like playing cash contests when Kyle Busch is on the slate at truck race or the Xfinity level. Uh, but yeah, I plan on not doing a full fade of Sam Meyer, but I'm going to be much less lighter on the field than him. I'm just touching on three drivers. I will have the full playbook breakdown uh, available Saturday morning. Matt, I apologize. I know I probably rambled. Are you ready to talk cup level for Richmond? I am. I'm surprised to hear your contest strategy for for richmond as a guy who's typically sworn off cash games um but i guess you're protecting your bankroll a little bit because you had a pretty nice pretty nice weekend at at martinsville last weekend so i decided that because i i make no i am pretty i guess honest about what contests i play every week for the cup level I play the happy hour. I play the, I play the donut. 
the donut is is a fun contest. It's it's another twenty entry max contest. It's typically the smallest payout to first. I still love it though, uh, just because it's it's a smaller contest in the GPP field. Uh, but then I also play the happy hour, so I'm looking at exposing myself to about sixty lineups. And what I've done more recently is just identify drivers I really like in the top tier, and then not be afraid to kind of spread my exposure out in in the value field. Or, or the cheaper drivers. And I can do that when I'm playing like the donut or the happy hour. I don't want to restrict myself to value plays because if I play too many value plays that are like five, six, low seven thousands, then I'm really kind of restricting myself to disaster if any of those guys wreck. So last week with Martinsville, I kind of spread my exposure out in the value field, which was it was it was probably the first time I've done it all season. So I was playing guys that I normally wouldn't play this year, like Cole Custer, Chase Briscoe. If Chase Briscoe doesn't blow a tire with 20 laps to go, I'm probably making another seven grand at Martinsville, but it is what it is. I still had a really good day. So with that said, I think I'm going to deploy the same strategy this week and go into the value tier with, with the amount of lineups that I'm making. That's just my opinion, though. I don't know if you see as many reliable or experimental value plays as I do. And it's weird to kind of kick off the Richmond preview with value plays, but that's just my segue. Yeah. I mean, the way the field is setting up is kind of, is kind of interesting, right? Like you've got a lot of your, your, your top priced guys are starting in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Right, like you could probably figure it out. Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, Logano, Larson, Harvick, Kyle Busch, Blaney—all of those guys are over nine grand on DK, and they're all starting in the top ten. Then the most expensive guy on DK is Brad Keselowski, and he's starting pretty decently outside the top ten there at twentieth. Twentieth, yeah, yeah, because he had a Martinsville to forget crashing out and <laughs> just being involved in a bunch of crap all day. Um, so, you know, obviously he's priced up. He's run very well at Richmond. He's got the PD upside. That's why DK waits till the starting lineups come out to go and mess with the value. So, you know, with that being said, and the way we're going to have to build rosters this week, which is pretty similar to the way we built for Martinsville, because there's generally speaking, two drivers are going to lead about 100 laps here at Richmond, and the rest are going to sprinkle out, right? So you're going to probably need two lap sled dominators in your build. In order to get those, you're going to have to pay up, which means you're going to have to, you know, spread out your exposure to the value plays this week, much like we did at Martinsville. So um, there are a few guys that are intriguing me yet again. I mean, Cole Custer, 6,800, kind of intriguing yet again, starting 21st. You know, he's sitting there. You got the watermelon farmer who's about ready to harvest his watermelons, according to his Twitter account. Ross Chastain is six grand. Uh, His Um, field is amazing. I'm not talking about Custer. I'm literally talking about Ross Chastain's farm. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's glorious. It just stretches for, like, infinity. Yeah, he posted a video saying that they're ready to harvest a watermelon. So we'll see what effect that has on his racing this weekend. I'm not not sure what, if any, it'll have. 
Um, you know, Austin Dillon at seventy five hundred bucks, pretty intriguing play considering the fact he was running in the top five at Martinsville for a pretty decent amount of that race. Um, you know, so a decent amount of these guys are going to be ones we're familiar with from last week. There are going to be some sprinkled value plays in that we didn't really touch on last week. Um, a guy I'm not quite sure on right now is Chris Busher, to be frank. Like, the $6,100 price tag is intriguing considering he's starting, what, 12th? Track positions, his, everything. Yeah, but, you know, like, he just hasn't you, run. You, you just have to assume he goes backward. Right, and that's the problem. Is like, do you take the fact that Roush Fenway right now in the last five races has been the third best average finish team in NASCAR? Or do you say Busher isn't that great at short tracks and didn't run? I mean, he kind of, he went backwards in Martinsville last weekend. So, like, it's kind of a... It, it's an interesting approach with Busher because it's like, do you trust what we've seen from him this year? Or do you trust that he's going to revert back to the mean at some point mm-hmm. um, from what we typically expect? Um, I'm curious to see how highly played Tyler Reddick is this week. Why is that? This doesn't necessarily strike me as a track that he's elite at unless you have No, seen... but did you see his run back up into the top 10 last week when he had to start in the back of the field? That That's a good point. Like, that was a guy that was totally off my radar. And, and we've had this question before in the NASCAR DFS chat. You know, it's like when, when drivers have to go to the rear of the field, how right. do you adjust your line of exposure? And it's like if a guy in good equipment and he's a good driver, if he's being scored from P12 to P18 and he's starting from the back – I'll get more exposure in GPPs. But if it's a guy that is supposed to be starting in the top 10 or even top seven, top five, and he's going to the rear, it's like, that's originally a guy that needed, he needed dominator points to return value anyway. So I'm less inclined to get exposure to him because of his reliance on not just PD, but dominator points. And by going to the rear, he's already sacrificing and forfeiting dominator points to begin with then I'm less inclined to get exposure to that guy. But Tyler Reddick last week, by my own playbook, was a guy that I should have gotten more exposure to. But it's Martinsville, and I had a pretty I, – I was pretty confident in my player pool. And I and I had a good week last week, but Tyler Reddick was one guy that I did not play. And if I did, probably would have helped me pay off even more. Yeah, I mean and, – and for clarification on what the issue that sent him to the back of the field was, it turns out that his fuel plug was not connected – properly and you have to connect it in order to make the car go right but once they connected it it was then counted as an unapproved adjustment by nascar because it had gone through tech inspection that way and so that's what sent him to the rear so it was a little disappointing for him but yeah he made it back up to the top 10 fairly quickly um so he's a guy that i'm kind of eyeing there ricky stenhouse jr looked pretty decent for a while at martinsville um, till he decided Sten- to go three Stenhouse, wide. Stenhouse looked really good. The only difference, the only, the tough part about Stenhouse was was that he was being scored from P six. Yeah, that was the tough. That was the tough part. Was you're gonna, you were gonna have to have him stick in the top ten 
to really have a shot at him hitting value, and that didn't necessarily pay off. Um, so, you know, those are kind of some of the value guys I'm looking at. William Byron's going to be another interesting guy, kind of like Tyler Reddick, where this isn't typically a William Byron track, but the 24 car has been ridiculously quick this year. Um, he stayed in the top three a bunch at Martinsville last week, and he was starting up near the front. So I think he's probably going to be worth taking a shot on. Um, you and I were talking beforehand that this is Denny Hamlin's home track. He grew up literally 30 minutes from the track in uh, Chesterfield, Virginia. Um, so, yeah, and then, you know, Truex always in play at this point at a short track. He's won five of the last 11, including sweeping the Richmond races in 2019. And he's on the pole, and his average finish in the last four races is 1.8. Um yeah, that guy's going to probably be the highest played driver in the field. All right. I want to get to a Truex versus Hamlin debate shortly. However, <clears throat> Brad Keselowski is the most expensive driver on DK Slay. He's $12,000. He's starting P20. Right. How are you approaching Brad Keselowski this week? Currently, I'm lighter than the field. I feel like this is too obvious of a, of a play. Haven't loved the speed or the setup lately. Uh, I've loved what I've seen from Truex and Hamlin. I don't really – I'd rather chase the Dominator points than the PD with uh, Truex and Hamlin over Kislowski this week. So Kislowski needs 60 points to hit 5X on DK, right? He's starting 20th. So that puts him at 23 to begin with. So let's just say he – Finishes fifth. That's 39 finish points and 15 for uh, PD. Wah, wah, wah. That, that doesn't get him there, right? Um, so you're going to need him to finish second. Second without leading laps and without fastest laps gets you to 60 points on the dot on DK. So he needs to get dominator points. To feel safer about things, yeah. Um, yeah. Either that or win it, and then he's going to get at least one lap led. Um, I mean, that's not to say he hasn't been good at Richmond, and obviously last year's race in the in similar circumstances without practice and whatnot, he started ninth and finished first and led 192 laps. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if the setup was bad last week or he just got – caught in some awkward situations right like it seemed like he was sticking in the top 10 pretty decently and then it seemed like he just got shuffled on some pit stops and couldn't make it back up and they got caught in crap he shouldn't have been caught in when was his dominant performance was that 2019 at martinsville um so 2019 or 2018 because truex and kislowski dominated martinsville in the same year like, it was spring for Kozlowski, and he led 446 laps, and then Truex said, I can do better, and led 460-something in the fall. My thought, Press, is, is that Kozlowski probably had that one dominant race in Martinsville due to the high spoiler that they had, and I think and I think it was the 2019 package. It's possible, because they did change it from the high 20, spoiler. Yeah, so 2020 and 2018 were almost similar packages, and so, but, like, 2019 yeah. was, like, the outlier, and I think that was the year he dominated the spring race. 
Yeah, and so there's going to be a similar package on the car this week to what we saw at Martinsville. Be 750 horsepower, low downforce. Cool. Uh, I want nothing so. to do with Brad now. <laughs> I am so, taking a stance. <laughs> I, I will be lighter on the field with Kozlowski. Um, we were talking before the pod about Kevin Harvick. Um, and I'll give you a pre, uh, uh, you know, doing a radio hit tonight on alarm after hours on Thursday night. And I think I'm going to have to go with Harvick as a fade. Like, I'm not sure I want anything to really do with Kevin Harvick right now. Like he's ninety four hundred dollars on DK, and I sound like a loser. Price tag is the only playing. reason I want anything to do with Kevin Harvick right now. But like SHR has been garbage. No, they they've been bad, and I'm not saying like. And honestly, this this might surprise some people, but I will get exposure to Chase Briscoe this weekend at sixty four hundred. Here's a but, question: In the last five races, but, in the last five races this season, yeah. How many laps led has an SH has an SHR car total for the whole team? All four cars. How many laps led have they had in the last five races this year? What what are you what are we setting the over under at? Like twenty? Yeah. I'll take the under zero. Ooh. Zero. Chip Ganassi racing. But if there's a guy laps to led, laps, it is Kevin Harvick. That's what we've been saying all year, but has Kevin Harvick led no, laps? I, like the setups have been bad, but at the same time, like and and I'm not and I'm not somebody that's been heavy on Kevin Harvick lately. Even at Atlanta, like I just didn't love the momentum he had going into it without practice and qualifying. I didn't go crazy on shares with him at Atlanta. I made a couple SHR stacks that were looking pretty good in the third stage of Martinsville. But even those flamed out a little bit. But at 9,400, I think I'll still throw him into a couple lineups for S's and G's. I'm not going to cuss on, on the podcast. Um, but ultimately, I agree. The setups have been terrible for SHR. There's almost no reason to play them unless you're looking for cheap value options with Cole Custer, Cole Custer and Christopher Bell. Not Christopher Bell. <laughs> Chase Briscoe. They have the same initials. I apologize. Okay, but here's the thing. So you're talking about 9,400 is going to be the cheapest we get Kevin Harvick at, right? All right, but I, see, I, I he's been 90, he was 9,600 last week at at Martinsville and put up 38 points, so not anywhere close to 5x. He was 8,100 on the dirt race and put up 21 points. Granted, not his forte, but still, not like two and a half x value, right? He was 11 grand at. Atlanta, 36 points. He was 11-9 at Phoenix, 55 points. Atlantic and Atlanta and Phoenix, those are tough prices to swallow. Right, but those are also his two best tracks, and he didn't even come close to 5X value. No, I get it. They priced him up, but they priced him up because those are great tracks for him. At Miami, 10-1, 39 points. Vegas, 4 points at $9,700. So... Harvick hasn't been good all year. Not, not he's he's hit fifty points twice. Ultimately, I agree with you. So I, he's in a like we've been talking about. SHR has to show us something. 
for like the lower class SHR guys, right? Like we said, Briscoe was going to have to show us something before we played him. And Custer was kind of in that role. And the only reason we played Amarola last week was because he was starting like 31st and he's traditionally been All pretty right. decent important. So, so if, if we're saying that, did, do you want to finish your thought on, on Kevin Harvick? Because I'm about to pivot to Cole Custer and Chase Briscoe and just skip over a bunch of like really good drivers. They showed us stuff last week. They did. So right? are you willing really, really to at least go back to them this week? Yeah. Because I'm actually going to a lot of Chase Briscoe this good, week. <laughs> I started by saying Custer was a good value play at 6,800. Harvick at 9,400. Let's play the game. Would you rather play Blaney at 9,100 starting sixth? Blaney, Bell at I'd rather seven. play Blaney over everybody that you're about to ask. Harvick at 94 starting ninth and Kyle Busch starting 10th at 10 grand. I'm taking Blaney at 9,100 starting seventh. Right, and Harvick is ninety four, and you're going, yeah, maybe that's intriguing, but like, no, but but I have to because I'm 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 the kind of like NASCAR DFS player that that is willing to build multiple lineups, and even last week I built I built lineups with Kevin Harvick, and they absolutely came out on Did the. Did you play Kyle Busch every week last year? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is a losing argument for me because if you play Kyle Busch every week last year, you're going to play Kevin Harvick every week this year. It's the same. I haven't bump. played Kyle Busch every week this year. Like, <clears throat> And I would argue that Kyle Busch has actually looked better this year than Kevin Harvick. Probably. Yes, he had the... the, the, the <laughs> and weeks ago we were, we were arguing that he's the worst JGR driver on the <laughs> In the NASCAR right now. Yeah, but he still looked better than Kevin Harvick. So no, I think the entire SHR garage is worse than JGR, which isn't even a hard argument to make, right? Yeah, it's it's not. But even like if if we took away 2021, we're still looking at one garage that has Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, and Christopher Bell, and the other garage has Kevin Harvick, Eric Almarola, whose value is pretty much down to Phoenix, a short flat track. And then you've got two rookie drivers. So, obviously, JGR is much better right. looking than SHR right well, now. Well, right, from a pure talent standpoint, right. But I'm just saying, like... Result-wise, yes, JGR has still been better than SHR. Yeah, and, you know, the fall from... You know, Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick went toe-to-toe last year in results, right? You can put their results awesome. against each other, and it was phenomenal. Yeah. One of them has stayed at that level. The other one has fallen off a cliff. So if I can get Denny Hamlin at eleven grand starting second, or Kevin Horvick starting ninth at ninety four hundred, I'll take Denny Hamlin. Okay, and I agree with that. And now I asked you this question before the podcast, and I'm still curious. What do you think Denny Hamlin's ownership is going to be this weekend? Because he's starting on the front row next to Martin Truex Jr. I think the natural inclination for even the most casual NASCAR DFS player is to go Martin Truex Jr. I still want to go Denny Hamlin. He was awesome at Martinsville last week. He did not win. Yep. He made me a good amount of money. I want to go back to the well with Denny Hamlin because my general feeling when I'm building NASCAR lineups every week is that I get to a point where I feel like I'm plugging and playing the same drivers in all my lineups. And for a while, that didn't really really work out because I feel like I was just eating chalk. I always feel like Denny Hamlin is a good way to just avoid the chalk. Sure, this week he's expensive, but he's on the front row. He was on the front row last week. He was not on the pole, 
but he still went out. He led a ton of laps. This is his home track. I will aim to once again be heavier than the field on Denny Hamlin. And this is a guy who in 2021 has had a really solid run in like seven of his last eight races. He's finished in the top five except for Miami. And he's leading laps at every race. He's getting fastest laps at every race. He's finding ways to return even like the most minimal of value. Yep. Uh, I would go with that. I mean, I think Truex is certainly going to be the um, top-played guy. I don't know that there's any real question about that, considering the fact he's 11-4. So people are going, well, he's only $400 more than Hamlin. Truex has been better here of late. He's, you know, coming off a win. He's looked pretty good. But, like, I feel like Hamlin still flies under the radar a little bit. Um, and yeah, I mean, the dominant car last weekend was Denny Hamlin's car. The 11 car was dominant, and then Blaney was like probably 1B, right? Well, Blaney was much better in the long, like, right. long run, but right. Hamlin was awesome, like, throughout Hamlin the was very good in the short run and medium run, and then gave up a little bit in the very long run. Blaney was very good in the very long run and couldn't really get up to speed great in the short run. Truex played the long game and got the the jump on the last restart and then just kind of, you know, made some great passes there to pass his teammate with about, what, 17, 18 laps to go. Um, Made some nice moves, used lap traffic as a pick and got past him. And then, you know, the battle between Hamlin and Chase let Truex widen that gap. Um but yeah, Truex did not have the dominant car last week. Um, he was a guy that was kind of just going to finish in the top five, much like Chase Elliott was. I mean, the Chase Elliott machine was solid, ran top five basically the whole day, but never really <clears throat> ran up front, never didn't look like a car that was going to contend for a lead. That's kind of been our critique of Chase Elliott all year long. Yeah, that's kind of what I said in the playbook, too, was like, <laughs> uh, I think he's going to run top five, but I don't think he's going to lead you very many laps, which is going to make it really hard for him to pay value. It's kind of what happened. Uh, guess what, folks? It's probably what's going to happen again this week. The nine car has been fast, but not fast enough to get past two or three other cars to lead laps. When, it when just, is like, the week to go heavy on Chase Elliott? Is it, are we waiting for the next road course? Probably. I'm going to presume that Coda is going to be a showdown between Truex and Chase Elliott. That makes sense. I mean, I'm trying to get sneaky at... with Brad K at Coda because he did part of that tire test too. Uh, the three of them tire tested at Coda a couple of weeks ago. So um, they kind of got some free practice there, which. The rest of the field was kind of bitter about, but Goodyear was like, yeah, we're going to bring the, the best drivers for each manufacturer so they can push the tires <laughs> to the limit. And, I mean, it makes sense. but oh, so. Denny yeah. Hamlin is finished in the top five of every race this year except Miami. Yeah. Um, That's just And he still, he still gets underplayed, right? So, yeah, I think we're going to be a little heavier on the field for Hamlin. Um Probably a little lighter on the field for Truex. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I really want... Chase is such a hard call at 9,700. What about Larson? God. Uh, I'll take... Let me put it this way. I would take 
more shots on Larson at 10-3 than Chase at 9-7. Because I'm playing around with some Larson-Hamlin GPP lineups right now. And I'm gonna yeah, plug Larson in. looks real quick in Martinsville. That that's the four. weird thing is that's not a track that he was previously good at. But no, again, like but we have to keep real we quick. have to keep adding the caveat. Like this is equipment that he's never been in. Like this is the best stuff he's ever had. And like he was once again fast. He started nineteenth, finished fifth. He didn't lead any laps, but he had twenty one fastest laps. He was eleven seven last week, and he finished with sixty two DK points. Right now he's ten three. After coming off a short track race where he moved up fourteen spots, now he doesn't have to do that this week because he's starting. What sixth, um, seventh? Like Larson and Bell, and have good money to spend on the rest of your lineup. Yeah, Hamlin, uh, Larson, Bell is kind of a hardcore to get away from. <laughs> Hamlin, Larson, Bell. Because yeah. I was just talking Larson, Bell, but now you have me on Larson, Hamlin, Larson, Bell. I mean, yeah, like you. I mean, you you're gonna Larson. have gonna have to get a little bit cheap there on one of the last guys. Sure, and you have to look for um, PD players. But how about, you know, we're still... I feel like we've gotten off the rails with this podcast, but we have such good... Daniel Suarez, 6,600 bucks. Fast, but like... And 99 cars look fast when it's not on fire. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of like the line with Larson in Texas. He's either going to win or he's going to blow up his engine. All right, so say you go... Larson, Bell, Hamlin, Suarez, starting P27. Doesn't need to do much for 5X value. Chase Briscoe, who was looking good up until he blew a tire late at Martinsville. And I think that 14 team is is starting to make a turn for the positive. You can plug Eric Jones at 7,600 starting P30. I'm actually fading Eric Jones this week. Yeah, Um, I probably would do. That's that's a lot of chalk. I yeah. might take that same money and go with Austin Dillon, seventy five hundred bucks. I would do that or go Tyler Reddick since you talked me onto him earlier in the podcast. Yeah, just leave seven hundred bucks on the table. Yep. Or you could get up to Kurt Busch. This is See, actually not the best track for Kurt Busch, though. So that's what I was thinking. Is like I've been playing Kurt Busch every week, hoping like it's the Kurt Busch week. It was almost the Kurt Busch week at Atlanta when I had I that. About awesome- Mr. Ryan Newman at seven thousand dollars. See, but, well, I wanted to pick your brain about that because it's like we always play Ryan Newman at tracks when it's hard to pass. Is this Richmond is a, a tough track? One. This is a tough one to pass. And he is starting P19 and he has PD upside. Yeah, and he's got three top 15s in the last four races here. All right. I know we didn't. Now that we just it. built you a lineup. <laughs> we we kind of did. Uh, DK, don't shoot us. Um, are there any drivers that we may have missed? Because I know we were kind of all over the place with this breakdown. We've gone well over 30 minutes recording. Are there any drivers that if top you to bottom? To, if you want to know, you can read the playbook on Saturday. You can read the playbook. Sure. Uh, is there anybody that you, you might have on your radar? I, I kind have of not talked to Austin Sindrick. I don't know how you play him. I think this is where we disagree. Yeah, I don't know how you do either. I'm just saying we haven't talked about him. He's starting oh, okay. 37th, 38th. So I don't want I mean, him. No, because he's going to be that guy's going to be chalky as all get out because everybody's going to go, oh, he's going to move up. Okay, he may, but at 8,600 bucks, he needs what, 43 DK points? 
for 5X? He was the same price for Atlanta a couple weeks ago. Starting almost the exact same spot, he finished 22nd. He did not even hit 5X value. Right, and you, like, do we expect him to finish top 20 here? Not really, because this is also a shorter track, and you know my thing with short tracks is, like, people get lapped too easily. Yeah, I mean, here it probably happens a little bit less, um, unless you have, like, one car that's, like, incredibly dominant. Um, But... You know, the last three races have basically averaged 15 drivers finishing on the lead lap. Which is, I guess, part of the course with Martinsville. Um, so, I mean, in the truck race last year, six drivers finished on the, on the lead lap. Yeah, I mean, the most we've had in the last five races on the lead lap is 23. But that dates back to the spring of 2018. So. Again, it's a short track, but it races more like a mile and a half. Yeah. All right, Nat, any drivers, any strategies you wanted to touch on? Is this more of a GPP week or, or a cash week, in your opinion? I think you can split it pretty evenly here. I kind um, of agree. That's why I'm dabbling The general builds are going to be about the same for both. You're not really going to need th- – it's not like for cash you go one lap slide dominator and the rest are PD guys and you know, whatever. No, you're probably going to need two – Lap slide dominators, and then the rest can be PD guys for both builds. It's just a matter of are you hitting the safer PD guys or are you taking more risks with guys that might be starting a little higher than they should be and hoping they can hold on. That's kind of the strategy behind this week. I just had to unpause my microphone because there was a solid horn of cars. It's still going. I apologize if you can hear it. We'll try and wrap this up. But Matt... Thank you so much for your time. I thought this was actually a pretty free fluid breakdown of Richmond. I'm so sorry if you can hear the cars honking in my background. It's incredibly rude. I'll tell them to shut up shortly. But Matt, thank you so much for your time. Did we miss anything? Nope. Just keep reading the content this weekend. Um, you know, we'll always be in chat. Um, and then, you know, we get a little bit of a, I'm pretty sure it's Dega next week, which will be a bit of a free for all. Um, yeah. I think it is. Pretty sure it's next week. Why haven't I thought about Xfinity that? is Xfinity is there next week. So I'm hoping everybody else is. <laughs> I have to look into going. Matt, you want to go to Dega? Um it's a little tough for me to get At to some Dega. point, I'm sure you it's, do. I feel I feel bad for throwing this on you. It's like a twelve hour more than it's like how long of a drive would it be? Like sixteen hour drive for me to get from here to Dega? It's a little. I'll hold out and wait for Kansas. It's two and a half hours from me. All right. All right. Well, Matt, Go thank you so much. Bushy McBush Race Four Hundred. Oh, I didn't want you to spoil the name. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you, and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.